0: Well good morning. good morning. Good to see you. You look good today. Just thought I'd tell you that. Hey, speaking of Thanksgiving, it's only it's less than 3 weeks away. That's crazy, isn't it? 3 weeks away. How many of you, when you get together at Thanksgiving there's somebody a grandma, great grandma, your mama, there's a recipe that's been passed down from generation to generation to generation that you just can't wait for. Yeah, if you don't, I feel sorry for you. I really do. I want to tell you this is this was interesting. To me, um, a story of a family that uh, had this wonderful pot roast recipe, pot roast recipe, and it had been passed down from generation to generation, and they do it exactly like it's written on that piece of paper. If you've been through that, you know that's what that's like. Well, as this recipe gets passed and passed and passed, right? The mom watched her mom do it, and now the gra- the granddaughters watching her mom, and every it goes down the road. Well, anyway, she calls her mom. And she said. You know, I, I've just got a question for this because the first thing it says about this pot roast is when you get the pot roast, you open it up, you cut it in half, and you get out two cast iron skillets. You put half and half in there, you pat it dry, you start to season it, right? Then you brown it on all sides, and then you have to put them both in the oven. And it gave all the instructions. And she said, Mom, I just don't understand. She said, Well, don't you understand? She said, Why do we have to, why is it so important to cook into two pans? And she said, Honey, I don't know. That's the way my mama did it, and that's the way my grandma did it. You just do it. That's the recipe, right? So the girl's inquisitive. She's going to ask the grandma at least. So she sits down with her one day and she said, Grandma, everybody loves this pot roast, but she said, I just have one question. It doesn't make sense. Like, why, do you, why did you cut the pot roast? Why does it have to be put in two skillets? She said, oh, honey, I just never had a skillet big enough to put the one in there by itself. <laughs> yeah. So this had gone on for years and years and years. Sometimes you start something for one reason, you continue it for another, and sometimes you just don't really have a clue. It's just that's what it is. I tell you that this morning because that's the way it is, I believe, with baptism. There's a lot of interesting ideas about what baptism is and how it should be done and what its purpose is. And a lot of people, listen, have just heard things and heard it over and over and over and over, and it takes on a meaning of its own, and people don't really understand And so today, not only are we going to see people go public with their faith through baptism, we're going to take this time to teach about what baptism really is because like that pot roast recipe, right, it can be confusing, you can have different ideas. And one of the things that we do here at Crossroads is we say, you know what, let's just strip away everything that's not in the Bible and let's just let God's Word tell us what it is about, what it is really does. And so we're going to honor that today by looking at God's Word in several ways. And we want to completely honor Jesus. And for some of you, listen, I believe light bulbs are going to go on. Some of you, it's going to get cleared up and you're going to be like, oh my gosh, didn't even know that's what it's all about or that's not what it's about. And so we're going to talk about baptism for just a few minutes because baptism really, really is a big, big deal. And it's an important deal, but it has its purpose. And we're going to learn that from the one that instituted it. And uh, it was never intended by God to be something that was confusing or just tacked on at the end of service. And so Jesus didn't mean for it to be confusing as well. So if you would, take out your message outlines. You can follow along. If you're new with us, you can fill in your own blanks as we go along. In Matthew chapter 28, before we get to the verse 19, in verse 18, Jesus came to his disciples, to believers, Christ followers, his church, and he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So that's like he, he is the source of all truth. And then he gives going to give the church, us, 2,000 years later, still the same instructions in verse 19 that's on your note sheet. It says, therefore, church, followers of mine, go and make disciples. He didn't say form a holy huddle, see how deep you can get, just love one another you know what, just stick together. The people that are not in your group, just tell them they can go to hell. You don't have to care about them. You know, it's just about us. That's not what he said. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, not just people that you like, not just people that you speak the same language of. I want you to reach out to everybody, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. So Jesus said, as we're going, as you and I Those of us that know Jesus says, we're going and doing life, right? We're supposed to be light in a dark world. We're supposed to be salt in a world. We're supposed to live our lives in such a way people scratch their head and say, there's something different about you. What is it? And we get to tell them about what Jesus did for us. And then he says, once they give their life to Christ, you baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You ever, you ever read something in scripture? Not maybe not even in scripture, you just heard something, and it kind of makes you scratch your head and say, Why, why did they say that? Like, what's the big deal? And is it really a big deal? Well, we have people in this room that come from different backgrounds, you've different church backgrounds different family backgrounds, and you've heard things about baptism. You've got beliefs not only about baptism, but about God, about the world, about how does a person become a Christian. We've all got different beliefs based on our upbringing. But many people, if you say, show me in the Bible where I can understand that and read it for myself, most many people are like, ooh, I don't think I can do that. Some are very confused about baptism. And I get it because I've heard a lot of crazy things about baptism. Baptism was never meant from Jesus to be confusing. It was never meant to be one of those things that you just scratch your head and say, I just don't get it. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to simply show you four things, minimally, that the Bible teaches about baptism so that we can all kind of clear up the water on what baptism is and what it isn't. So the first thing, if you're taking notes, that the Bible says baptism is, is that baptism is about going public with your faith. It's about going public with your faith in Jesus Christ. It it happens after a person crosses a line of faith and gives their heart and life to Jesus by faith. That's what it is. It's when you go in front of people because you made a decision in your heart that people couldn't see. When I gave my life to Christ in the floorboard of a pickup truck on a golf course parking lot, the only person that knew I did that was the guy that was there with me. Other than that, no one knew until I told them right? Because that's a heart decision. It's it's a prayer that I committed my life to completely to Jesus Christ and to his work. And I did that in my heart and no one knew that. Baptism is after that happens, it's your way of going public with that private decision. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So have you noticed when you love something or you love someone, you don't have a problem going public with that idea? I mean, think about it. Ladies, when when your guy asked you to marry him, and he put that rock on your finger, you couldn't wait to go public. I've seen you. Some some you, you go, you go crazy, look, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, look, 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 look. You're not like, yeah, my boyfriend did something this weekend, not really feeling very good about it. Why is your hand in your pocket? Well, just because. That's not what you do. When you love someone, you're proud to show that you love someone. You're proud to show that there's been a commitment made. Jesus said that's what baptism is about. Baptism is like a wedding ring for a Christian. Once you give your life to Christ that no one can see happen because it's a heart issue, your first thing he wants you to do is make that decision public. That's the purpose of baptism. So where in the world did we get the idea that he wanted us to keep this secret? You ever heard people say, well, I think, you know, religion, that's just kind of, that's private. That's not what Jesus said. It was never meant to be private. It's personal. Matter of fact, fill this in. Being a Christian is a personal issue, but Jesus never meant for it to be a private issue. Being being a Christian, becoming one, is certainly a personal issue because no one can do that for you. No one could make me be a Christian. I had to personally decide to cross the line of faith and turn from doing life my way and turn to him and commit my life to him. That was personal. No one could do it for me, but it was never meant to be private. It was never meant for me to be something like, I'm never going to tell anybody what I did. That's just between me and God. That's not the Bible. Matter of fact, look at Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 through 16. He's talking about believers. You as a believer, someone that's crossed the line of faith, given their life to Christ are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So baptism is about going public with your faith. The fact that prior to that day, you have received Christ as Savior and Lord. Now you're going public, that you're coming out as a follower of Jesus' day. That's number one. The second thing, That the Bible teaches about baptism is baptism is an act of obedience. Baptism is an act of obedience. How many of you would agree with this statement that life tends to go better when we obey? Would you agree with that? I know when I was growing up as a kid, life went better for me when I obeyed my parents. This was way before, way, way, way too many years before you said to spank or not to spank. I'm not going to get into that today, but listen, life went better for me when I obeyed. As an adult, life tends to go better for when you obey, when you obey the law, when you obey traffic laws, right? Nobody in this room has ever been pulled over by a policeman because you were going the speed limit, right? Why'd you pull me over? Well, you were going the speed limit. I just wanted to say thank you. No, most of us like, right? And and you know, everybody's got their line, right? How many are like, well, I don't really go the speed limit, but I think... I go five over because I don't think they'll pull you over for five. Some people go, how many go ten? How many go more than that? How many go right on it? That's what I do. I go right on it. I'm just a black and white kind of guy, right? I don't need a speeding ticket. I don't need more money to my insurance company. So anyway, life is just better when we're obedient. And I love it when people are obedient. I, I like people around me to be obedient. Like if I, on the rare occasion, rare occasion that I go to the grocery store, And you go to that thing that says, you know, it's a quick checkout and it's like up to eight items. If you got 10, I'm calling you out. I'm just be honest. I like the people that's got, oh, I got four items. Oh, cool. Glad you're in the right lane. You see that says up to eight items. But those people like, (laughs) I wanted to go in there once with like 50 items, all the same thing. Be like, I only have one item. Just have multiples of that one item, but it's only one item. Anyway, whole different story. But isn't it nice? We like it. We like it when other people obey. Even if we don't obey, I want you to obey, right? That's kind of the way it is. And baptism is an obedience. Think about how crazy this is. I realize I'm going in the wrong direction for life, and Jesus came and lived and died and suffered on a cross so that I wouldn't have to. He's buried in a borrowed grave. Three days later, he defeats death so that whosoever would put their faith and trust in him would not be punished for their sins, but would instead get credit for his perfection and spend eternity in heaven that you can't earn or deserve. And you realize that, and so you pray and you receive Christ as your Savior and Lord. And Savior, because of what he did for you, and Lord, because now life works better following him than it does following you. And the very first thing he has you to do as your Lord is to go public and you say, mm, I have to talk and think about that. I have to pray about that. No, you don't. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. We know that we've come to know him if we obey his commands. And the very first command he gives a brand new believer who crossed the line of faith is to go public and get baptized. And then there's Luke chapter 6, verse 46, where I love this question. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say to do? a great question, isn't it? Didn't you just receive me as Lord? Go get baptized. (laughs) I'm afraid of water. He suffered and died for you to receive this free gift of eternal life. It's an obedience step. Fill this in if you're taking notes. Baptism is the first step of obedience for a Christian. I received you as Savior and Lord, so I will obey. And the first thing you ask me to do is to get baptized. I'm in. Now, to some of your credit, some of you gave your life to Christ a year ago, two years ago, five years ago. You were at home, wherever you were, and you've never had anybody teach you what baptism is. Your next step is baptism, now that you know. So baptism is not an issue of personal preference. Baptism is an issue of obedience. It's not, oh, I just, I prefer to get baptized. No, it's obedience. Have you given your life to Christ? Yes. Have you been baptized since then? And if the answer is no, that's your next step. Here's the deal. One of the things we've got to understand about being a Christian is it's a whole lot more than just not going to hell. Okay? I think some people think if I give my life to Christ, good, don't go to hell. That's great. That's true. That's true. But becoming a Christian is also about getting Jesus into your life and allowing him to take full control because life is better when we follow him. He knows the way. He's a perfect heavenly father. You may not have been able to fully trust your own father because we're all fallible, but he's not. It's a privilege. So that means whatever he says to do, we just do it. Whatever his word says to do because it's truth, we just Do it. And the first thing he says to do after giving my life to Christ is to go public and get baptized. It's the first thing we do. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. This is when the New Testament church was birthed. It says, Those who accepted his message were baptized. So they heard the gospel that day. Thousands were gathered. And after they heard and received that message, they were baptized. And about 3,000 was added to that number that day. Can you imagine? 3,000 people getting baptized at once. That's amazing. I can remember one year at Crossroads, in one baptism, we did over 100 people. That was mind-boggling. 3,000, it's infallible, but can I just tell you something? Every single baptism, there's a party in heaven because they know someone private prior to that had given their life to Christ, and now they're going public. The angels in heaven rejoice. That's amazing. So here's, we know that baptism is about going public with your faith. It's an act of obedience. Number three, baptism comes after you choose and after you make the decision to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. There's no such thing, in other words, as baptizing unbelievers. There's not one instance in the Bible, not one instance in the entire Bible of someone getting baptized before they gave their life to Christ through faith. It's not one. There's no such thing. There's not one instance in the Bible of an infant being baptized because an infant doesn't understand that they need Jesus. You have to be old enough to understand that you're a sinner and that he is not and make a decision. I love to think about this. Here's a fact. There are 27 references to baptism in the New Testament and all of them are after salvation every single one of them because the purpose of baptism is to show people outwardly publicly what took place in the privacy of your heart that's why there's none before that because that's not the purpose of baptism acts chapter 8 verse 12 but now the people believed philip's message of the good news he shared christ he shared about putting their faith in him concerning the kingdom of god in the name of jesus and all. all many men and women were baptized no babies, you are going to see some school-age students get baptized today, but they've met with our children's team, they've met with the parents, and they want to ensure that those children understand what Jesus did for them. But you'll never see us baptize an infant A very small child that's not old enough to understand their need for Jesus. It's after those kids that have been raised in age-appropriate teaching understand that they're sinners and that Jesus died for them and that they personally received him as Savior and Lord, then is your time to be baptized. So that's what the Bible teaches. Baptism always equals after salvation. Number four, baptism is an illustration of your new life as a Christ follower. It's an illustration. Not only is it an act of obedience, not only does it happen after you give your life to Christ, it's an illustration. It's an illustration of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That's why baptism is done in a visual way. So as someone sits in the baptistry or stands in a lake or wherever, they're representing the old them that was, that's died. When did it die, right there? No, it's when they realize that their need for Jesus And they gave up control of their life and died to self and asked Jesus to come in. And as Jesus hung on a cross and died, I represent, as I sit in that baptistry, the old Scott Winstead is dead and gone. And as Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb, as we put people under the water, it's symbolic of Jesus' burial. And as Jesus, three days later on Easter, defeated death by rising from the dead, as someone comes out of the water, it's symbolic of what took place when they prayed to receive Christ. They have a new life, but this is the visual illustration of I died to myself, I was buried with Christ, and I have eternal life because of what Jesus defeated the grave. That's a picture every time we see someone baptized, and that's amazing. For those of you that have went through that, then I pray today when you see each individual get baptized, it takes you back, that you remember that was me, I gave my life to Christ in my heart. I remember getting baptized. I remember going public and sharing his illustration and being obedient, and I did that. So you see, baptism doesn't make you a believer. There's nothing special about this water today. It's not like, hey, yes, I'm a sinner, and I need to be baptized to be saved. No, you need to put your faith in Jesus to be saved, and once you do that, now you're ready to go public through baptism. Baptism doesn't make you a Christian. You could get baptized every day, You could go to a river and get baptized every day until you knew the fish by first name. That doesn't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is turning from doing life your way and putting your faith in Christ, asking Him to be Savior and Lord of your life. Once you do that, you're ready to come out through baptism. That's the symbol. So it doesn't make you a believer. It's like a wedding ring again. It's an outward symbol of a commitment that you made in your heart towards another person. Baptism is like that wedding ring. I already committed my life to Jesus. This is something that you can see. How many of you, it used to be you'd have to travel somewhere very far, but now even in Ypsilanti, you can, uh, you can go. How many of you have ever visited the uh, Vietnam Memorial Wall anywhere? How many have done it in Washington, D.C.? That's where I saw it for the first time. When we visited there years ago, it was obvious to me, watching people around that wall, it was very obvious to me that there's two different types of people that were there. There was that group of people that was just kind of wandering around and talking and looking at the memorial, taking some pictures, laughing a little bit. That was one group of people. But then there was another group of men and women or families that you could tell had been there. And maybe they themselves hadn't served in that war, but maybe it was a grandfather. Maybe it was a dad. Maybe it was a brother. It was someone that they loved and somebody that they lost. And as they stood in front of that wall, and they're looking through all of these thousands of names, you would see people with tears running down their face. You would hear and see some people just outwardly weep, almost beyond control, as they found their family member's name amongst all the other names on that wall. And I remember standing there thinking, I can tell who's been there and I can tell who's just heard about and it's just history to them. I want you to think of baptism in the same way. I can tell when people get baptized often who's been there by their reaction and who for them it's just a, meaningless thing because they don't really understand because they've not experienced it they they don't know they it doesn't take them back to when they realized their need for jesus and gave their life to christ and they went public there's just a different reaction but when you see that for those of us that have been there it's symbolic of two things if you're a Christian, you, you've kind of got it down every time someone gets baptized, right? There's just, that that was me. There's something it does inside of you to know that heaven has been populated one more time. Not because of the baptism. That's just the part we see. But prior to that, but baptism again is that coming out. There's just something special. So baptism is not something we mourn. It's something we celebrate. We've even had occasions where we passed out noisemakers to people. And when someone got baptized, we went crazy. Listen, there's no, it's, it's worth celebrating. And we get to witness 11 people do it today, six in this experience, five in the next. And can I just tell you, it never gets old. We know that there's roughly 65,000 people within driving distance of Crossroads that don't know Jesus. And so anytime you see one cross the line of faith and go public through baptism, we know that that number shrunk by one. And you know what I know? That's people that you know and love. Some of those are in your family, some that you work with, some are in your neighborhood, and the same for me. So here's the deal. I'm going to pray and... um, I know that I haven't given you the question that's on yours is what's next for you? What's next for you? That's a big deal, right? And what I'm going to give you an opportunity to do today is to respond. But first, let's pray together. God, I just thank you so much for your word. I thank you for the truth that it is. God, for every single one of us that have experienced salvation by receiving you as our Savior and Lord, God, thank you. And as we witness baptisms here in just a few minutes, God, I just pray that we're all taken back. We not only celebrate with these individuals, but we're reminded of when we did that. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, can I tell you that's your greatest need and greatest opportunity. If you'll provide the sinner that you are, he will provide the Savior. His name is Jesus. If you turn from doing life your way, And by faith, give him control of your heart and life. He will come in to your heart. He will forgive you. He'll cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. He will adopt you into his family, never to be unadopted. You see, this is not a religion. This is a relationship. Jesus came and lived and died and defeated death so that you could know him personally. It's not a religious experience. It's a relationship that you can establish by turning from doing life your way and giving your heart and your life to Jesus. If that's you right where you're seated, if that's you right where you're at at home, just make this your prayer. Say, God, I admit to you today that I'm a sinner. I've done many things wrong. And by faith, I turn from doing life my way and I repent and turn to you and ask for you to save me, to forgive me, to adopt me into your family, to I receive your free gift of eternal life that I can't earn, I can't purchase, I can never deserve. But I receive it today by faith. And from this day forward, Lord, I want to learn to love you like you love me. I want to be obedient to you because I've not only received you as Savior, but as Lord. And life is better when we obey. And you know better than me. And so I will follow you. And I say thanks. Thanks for loving me first. And I give you the praise in your name. Amen.